G'day friends, welcome back. Week one of the finals is all wrapped up. Um, goodness me, goodness me. There was excitement, there was drama, um, some big finals performances, some big finals mess ups and mistakes, big crowds. There is heaps to get through. Let's get into it. So let's start off back on Thursday night, the Pies and the D's, the qualifying final. I think first I will um, go through the Maynard Brayshaw incident because that's what's, you know, on everyone's minds. That's what everyone's talking about. Tomorrow night will be the tribunal hearing and we'll see what is going to happen. Um... I th- I think this, oh, it's co- it's so complicated, isn't it? It's really really hard for there to be any reasonable discussion on this incident. This is one of the most divisive incidences we've seen in a long time, in a long time. I'll say right away where I'm at. I don't think Maynard did a single thing wrong right? He's trying to smother the ball. He's given it everything. As he's come down, he's decided to protect himself. And he's found Brayshaw's head with his shoulder. Um, I think it's really hard for anyone, for most people to have a sensible discussion about this because most of the people that are discussing it are either Collingwood people, Melbourne people, or they're the general public, most of whom don't like Collingwood, <laughs> right? A lot of people hate Collingwood. A lot of people think that the, the club are all scum and horrible, and they're, they're not that club anymore, right? Eddie Maguire is gone. It, this is a new Collingwood football club. I'm not saying Eddie Maguire was the most horrible man ever, but he resided over the club while a whole manner of, you know, really, really poor behavior went on. Uh, in a lot of aspects. They're not that club anymore. They might have a supporter base that is, you know, passionate, bordering on feral. <laughs> um, but they're not they're not that club at all. And Maynard is not that player. He isn't a dirty player. He's not a grub. He's not any of the other names I've seen get thrown around. He is a really good player. He is a seriously valuable player for his team. There aren't many players I can think of in the competition that are as ferociously determined to help their team as Maynard is. 
Um, so everyone who is adamant, including the Melbourne Football Club, by the way, everyone who is adamant that this was a deliberate, dirty act, I just cannot get on board with that. Melbourne are fuming. They're furious, right? They're furious that people have come to his defense. And and look, I hope so hard that Brayshaw's okay. My God. So it's known that he has had a lot of concussion issues earlier in his career. That's why he wears the helmet. He's engaged to one of Danny Frawley's daughters. So there is obviously an emotional element there. There is an enormous amount of emotion around this whole thing, right? And that's that's where it just gets muddy, right? You've got to look at this. You've got to look at Maynard and the options he had, right? So his options are don't try and smother the ball with everything you've got, yeah? Or do what you did and just leave yourself open to having your internal organs rearranged, right? Because if he doesn't protect himself, which is the most natural thing a person can do, he could have gotten really hurt as well, right? Yeah, his head wasn't in danger. That's not what I'm talking about, right? If he he leaves himself open, Brayshaw's coming at him. And, And any contact from Brayshaw in this instance would have been his fault either. But they were, they were going at each other, both just trying to help their team, right? And if Maynard had just, you know, just thrown his arms out to the side like people are suggesting and just, you know, when, when you're in midair like that, you're never more vulnerable. There's nothing that Maynard can do other than try and protect himself, right? It's hard enough for players to make split-second decisions when their feet are on the ground. But Braden Maynard was in mid-fucking air. And he had, like, all the replays just show it in slow motion again and again. So, oh, my God, he had three whole fucking seconds to decide what to do. Watch the thing at full speed and tell me what you would have done differently. Honestly. Honestly. People cannot just get over the fact that they either don't like Collingwood or they don't like Braden Maynard or they whatever, right? And the AFL's done the right thing by itself as well, sending it to the tribunal. That's what they had to do, right? Because they're in the middle of a lawsuit around how they deal with concussions and they're being sued for everything they've got, right? So Michael Christian says that he doesn't think Maynard did anything wrong, but if he just, you know, says that and that's it, the AFL's in a big amount of trouble, so he's so he has said that, but then he's gone. I'm not going to leave it up to me. We'll see what the tribunal wants to do, right? So the AFL gets to save face by saying, you know, you know, we want to suspend him, but you know, we'll let you make the wink, wink, right decision. Is what I think they're searching for here. But oh my goodness, players' health and their mental health is being taken so seriously and so not seriously all at the same time, right? Everyone who's come out to, you know, defend Brayshaw and and all of that, and everyone who's so viciously attacked Maynard, like viciously, yeah, 
they're friends. They're mates. They, they, they played school footy together, yeah? And I know everyone said that Angus was furious with Maynard after the incident, right? I, I can totally get behind Angus having whatever emotions he had. Yeah, he was the victim here. Let's not get that mixed up, yeah? He's the one that got cleaned up, taken out, and he's the one who has to worry about more concussion-related symptoms, right? I've got no issue with him feeling whatever he felt. But the 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 way that Gorn spoke to Maynard when he was just, you know, as, as Brayshaw was being stretched off, the way that Gorn was like, just go away, the, the the apparently the situation that Maynard walked into when he took a some flowers and a bottle of wine over to Brayshaw's house on the Friday. Um, the the way that you know Simon Goodwin spoke and the the way that Melbourne have just acted in general is you know they should defend their player and they shouldn't you know they shouldn't just lie down and say that everything's all good. But we've now got to think about Maynard's you know, well-being and, you know, we saw, or well, we don't, we don't know anything, but we, we know that Tim Membry pulled out of the St Kilda game um, on Saturday with mental health problems is the term that's been used. There's been a lot of rumours going around from people who don't know a fucking solitary thing. Anyone who's been, you know, saying this or that happened or whatever can get absolutely fucked, right? Whether it's true or not, until the club says what has happened, and they may never say what's happened, and that's fine. Until someone says what's happened, we don't know what's happened. We can assume and make educated guesses, but no one knows for sure, right? Like, like say that the rumors aren't true, and then people go around spreading that shit and, you know, his family members or whatever see that. And that's like, it. That's it's so fucked. The, the lack of care that is like, the internet's just out of fucking control, right? Social media is just out of control. People can do and say whatever they like, which I think they should be able to do, but there needs to be a level of responsibility taken by people that are involved. I'll talk about Tim a little bit later when I get to the um, St Kilda game, but, you know, we are all worried about Angus and, and his health and hopefully he's all right and can hopefully make it back for, you know, a grand final if they if Melbourne can get through. Um, I, d- I think that's unlikely, given, he, like, you know, apparently he was out cold for around two minutes or more than two minutes, which isn't good. That's pretty serious. Like there's degrees of seriousness when you're talking about someone being unconscious and the the longer that they're un, unconscious, the worse, obviously. So, you know, there are things more important than football and that would be, you know, a person's health for the entire rest of their life. You know, football's important while you're doing it. But you know, it's only it's only a fraction of your whole existence. So these players that are suffering for decades and decades after they finish, you know, playing is 
you know, something that we need to try and avoid at all costs. So I really hope that Angus is all right. But I, oh yeah. Maynard won't be left alone. Like he won't be, he's not going to get away. He's not, even if there's no suspension and no whatever, like he will pay the price for what happened. I have no doubt. Um, but we can't be suspending players for just playing footy. This is an accident. And the only way it's avoidable is if Maynard doesn't play as well as he possibly can. That's what that's what we're that's where we're at, right? And if the AFL decides they want to make an example of Braden Maynard and suspend him, and oh, it'll I'll be disgusted. Sorry, not the AFL, the tribunal. I'll be disgusted because he's just trying to play footy as well as he can. I don't think he did a single thing wrong, and like. I don't know if we'll ever, you know, ever hear Angus talk about it, how he feels, you know, long-term, you know, maybe in a couple of months next year he gets asked about it, I don't know. But they've known each other for a long time. Maynard said after the game that he loved him, that he loves Angus to bits. So, you know, there, there was genuine remorse from Maynard, like... What he said post game, going around to his house. That isn't someone who set out in that moment to take someone's head off. That's just not. There, there isn't. No one's being coached to do that anymore. It's been years since any coach would have said, "Right, I want you to, you know, if, if given the opportunity, just take him out, you know, just see." Like years and years since any coach would have uttered those words. It was fascinating hearing Ross Lyon on 360 night. And eagle-eyed viewers may have noticed that he had Burks on. <laughs> he was wearing Birkenstocks and bare feet under the desk yeah, on the wides. You can see that. That was really funny. Um, but he said that when it comes to the topic of players putting themselves in those kind of situations where head contact can occur, going really hard at the ball, tackling you know, hard or too hard. He just doesn't even ask that of his players or mention it or criticize players when they don't do it. Like players going, you know, half-assed into a contest, he said that he just leaves it alone because any discussion around that, I feel, leads to more confusion and everyone's confused. Everyone is confused, which is not where we want to be. And we want to get to round one next year not confused. That's the goal. But if they use this to try and unconfuse people, first of all, it won't work. And second of all, it's just wrong. It is wrong. I want it explained to me by people who want Maynard suspended what he was supposed to do. No one can say that. No one can say, oh, this is what he should have done, right? He, oh, he just wasn't meant to try and smother the ball right. So he's not meant to play football as well as he can. Oh no, when he was in when he was flying through the air, he's meant to just, you know, put his arms out and break his elbow. Like just for fuck's sake. It's really frustrated me enormously the entire conversation around this. But end of the day, it's only football. It's only football. 
It's only football. I mean, if Braden Maynard misses a grand final over this, it'd be one of the greatest injustices I've ever seen. Same with Angus. If he misses a grand final with his concussion, that is just, that is gut-wrenching and just so unfortunate. But it's an accident. There are bodies out on that field. You got 40 plus players, umpires and runners on the field at any given moment. Accidents happen. It's a contact sport. Accidents happen. If they want to totally remove all possibility of concussion, make it a non-contact sport. Change the fabric of the sport and just make it touch AFL. Oh, I touched her. That's a tackle, holding the ball. Like, it's it's never going to be 100% avoidable. And they need to come to terms with that. And, you know, the, the, the fact that they're in the middle of this lawsuit doesn't help. The AFL is trying to protect itself, but it's got to use a bit of common sense at the same time. Oh, I really, really hope that Maynard doesn't get suspended. I really, really hope. And I really, really hope that Angus is all right because it was a, it's a bad hit. That was nasty. And, you know, I, I felt for JB, who was calling the game, his uncle, you know, we didn't hear anything from him for a few minutes. And then the next thing he said was that Angus's parents would have been in the crowd. Oh, I assume he just got off the phone with them. I don't know. Um, but the whole Brayshaw clan and the Frawley clan extended, who understand this better than anyone. Um, yeah, I just hope everyone's all right. Just hope everyone's all right. Hope everyone is all right and gets to play as much footy as possible. All right, I've just done 15. I've, I've done almost 20 minutes on that, so that's enough of that. I think I've made myself pretty clear on where I stand. Um, the, the Van Royen McStay one, what the fuck is he doing? Just throwing his elbow out. Like, Melbourne already don't have a forward line. And he's, he's one of their main targets, one of the players they are relying on. He's also doing the second ruck work. And he goes, oh, I'm just going to go get myself suspended. Easy. I bet that Simon Goodman was going to murder him. Like, what the, what a boneheaded thing to do. Oh, my goodness. Just a, and he's a young player, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a mistake. But, God, just make any other kind of mistake. <laughs> Gee whiz. Same with Jack Martin. I'll talk, you know, while I'm talking about all this, I'll just talk about this now. Jack Martin, what are you doing? What are you doing punching Blakey in the face? Oh, just the, I'm sure Voss is the same. I'm sure he was livid. I'm sure he was apoplectic with Martin, especially when you add in that Mackay's going to miss with that bizarre incident. That That's how innocuous concussion can be as well. Everyone's like, I can't see, you know, what even happened? Like, what, like, even just, like, we saw, like, Paddy McCartan's last concussion. That was nothing. It was nothing. It was a nothing incident. Just a tiny little bit of whiplash, and that's it. And that's what's happened to McKay. Just the slightly wrong sort of whiplash. Ooh, dearie me. Um, and he's concussed. That's how easy it can happen. That's how serious it can be. Um... 
but yeah, God, Jack Martin, like they they would have really needed him now that Mackay's going to miss, and he just gets himself suspended in a just a stupid way, not even not even a tackle or a bump, just a wayward fist that should never have been near anyone's face. That's a big whoops. So you know, I, I don't know if they're going to challenge. His thing or not, they haven't got a lot of time. The the Maynard stuff is... I know that the Van Royen one, they're accepting that. Um, I don't know what Carlton are doing. I don't know if I've missed that or we haven't or it hasn't been announced yet, but they've only got a week to figure it out. They haven't got 10,000 years like the Giants had with Bedford in that whole case. Um, the Maynard one sort of consumed the footy landscape. Anyway, that's enough of that sort of uh, talk. Let's talk about the footy. D's, pies, D's, you gotta kick straight. It's a final. You have to kick goals, I'm telling you. Yeah, and we saw Sydney do the same thing on Friday night. The fact that Melbourne had 32 more inside 50s, 32 more, and they lost the game. What the holy hell? How does that happen? Well, first of all, Collingwood's backline was unbelievable. Really, really impressive stuff from the Collingwood back six. That can't be ignored. But Melbourne were still wasteful. You got one of the best kicks for goal in the competition in Bailey Fritch just kick shanking them left and right. Like, what the holy fuck? This is the most... It's the, the most underrated thing in anything ever is being able to kick fucking goals, for God's sake, right? It's the only stat that matters. Your score at the end of the game is the only stat that matters. It's the only one. The team with the most disposals doesn't win the game. The team with the most tackles doesn't win the game. The team with the most contested possessions, clearances, meters gained, what fucking ever you want, doesn't win the game. It's the team with the highest score when the time runs out. Yeah, I feel like clubs just don't practice goal kicking anymore. Yeah, players might do it for two minutes as they finish up and go, you know, go back and jump in the showers or whatever. They might have a couple of shots. Clubs should be dedicating a good amount of time to practicing set shots from all different angles on your wrong foot, on, on every, from a long way out, everything in windy conditions, in the rain, in everything. Clubs should be practicing this an enormous amount, but they're doing all the work on their stoppage work and their transition and all that pretty important stuff. But <laughs> like this is the most important thing. Everything else is what you do to get to this. So it's important too, but it's all for nothing if when you get to where you're trying to get to, by being great at contest and clearance and ball movement, you're brilliant at all these things, right? You've turned the ball over or you've won it at the source, you've got it to your forward line, but now you haven't practiced your goal kicking, so now it's all for nothing. They have to be better. My God, <laughs> they just have to be. Like Fritch and what Mackay did, what Mackay did was just kind of like, I mean, the, the set shot from 15 metres out is inexcusable, but the little dribbler along the ground from three metres out that hit the post, to be fair, that's asking a lot of a guy that's two metres tall who's running as fast as he can. He should have kicked that, 
but I've seen worse misses. Honestly, it was it looks bad, but you got to think about who he is and the pressure he's under. He just went into the post. Yeah, it's bad, but not as bad as I think everyone's saying. So you know, Mackay didn't have a great day. Max King ended up with three goals, but one that he missed was from like five meters out, snapping around the body like elementary stuff. And then we had Todd Marshall on Saturday night, just another one of the most reliable set shots for goal in the competition. Just, just I'm missing them. Like he kicked two out on the full, one in well, not one. One of them didn't go out in the full, but it went all the way across the face and then was punched out. And then the other one went the other way, all the way out in the full. Just like what the holy hell! Oh, and it's. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure around finals and it's a whole thing, but gee whiz, just practice, 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 practice your goal kicking. And I'm sure, I'm certain that there'll be a little bit more practice on it this week and next week. I have no doubt of that. Um, Melbourne, yeah, geez, plus 32 inside 50s. They'll be kicking themselves. Because, you know, Collingwood got out to such a hot start and then Melbourne could have, you know, pulled it back, but they just couldn't kick straight. They just, they, they defeated themselves. That When you don't kick straight, you beat yourself. It doesn't matter what the other team's done. You don't give yourself a chance to win the game when you miss all your opportunities. They're fucking lucky it didn't rain like it was forecast. It was like, oh, it's going to storm and be hail. And I was like, oh, gee whiz, Melbourne going to lose by 200 points. They've been horrible in the rain all year long. So they're probably lucky that it didn't rain because it may have been a lot, lot worse. Um, just one other thing on Melbourne. I thought Max Gorn was fantastic. Like he got rattled by Cox early. The, the Cox move to start in the ruck was brilliant from McRae. Really, really smart. I feel like Cox is at his best when he's like given a job like this. Like in 2018, right? I want you to go and make Alex Rance's night the worst night ever, right? In this game, yeah? I want you to go to Max Scorn first bounce. You're going to go into the middle. You're going to crash right into him. You're going to win the hit out. And he's gonna go. What the fuck just happened, right? And you get, and you're just gonna be on him as much as you can, for as long as you can in this game. And he was like, Cox was just all over him, really, for the first part of that first quarter. Max very quickly got his game up and going again, but by then it was too late. Collingwood had like blown him away in the first quarter. With with Bobby Hill as well, just playing unbelievably good footy, um, and that was that's the gap they needed. They only needed to smash him for one quarter, and the Cox Gorn matchup was a big part of that. Oh, gee, was I'm so burpy. Um, but as I said, Gorn, once he sort of you know broke through the the rattling that Cox gave him, he was so good. He just. David King says this all the time, and he's exactly right. When Gorn just gets going, he cannot be stopped. There's nothing... This is why everyone's like, oh, the ruck position doesn't matter. It fucking does matter. It matters so much. When your ruckman can do this, when you can have a ruckman like Gorn or English or Marshall or Briggs, 
who or Oscar McInerney as well, I think, is a fantastic ruckman who can just be the difference in a game. If Gorn had been able to play the way he wanted to from the start, like I think if um, Cameron is the one who goes to him at the start, and Cameron just Cameron's a perfectly acceptable ruckman, um, but if he just plays a normal start to this game, Max, I don't know if Collingwood win. I don't know. That's how influential he is. He is an unbelievably influential player. So when you have a Ruckman that can do this, and a Ruckman can't be tagged. You can't play a run with midfielder on a Ruckman because they like they don't play in a position. They play everywhere on the ground in the most unique role in the team. So when you've got one who is as powerful and dominant as Gorn is, there is not a fucking thing you can do about it. Nothing. So, very impressive. Very, very impressive. Um, he will be hard for Carlton to stop. Last time, I think um, De Koning and Pitnett sort of double-teamed him and wore him down, and, and I think got the, from memory they got the best of him, but Gorn in finals, I feel, is a different animal. So, he will be very, very hard to stop. Um, Collingwood, Collingwood are awesome. They're awesome. It's worrying that they conceded 70 inside 50s. That's a worry. Um, but what's not a worry is that they were able to defend them so effectively. My goodness me. Um, yeah, just some real brick wall stuff. Like, how, how disheartening would it be as a team is you're just sending the ball in again and again. And to be fair, Melbourne weren't sending it in very effectively at all. They're bombing it long. They've got no targets. No one's leading. But you've just got repeat inside 50 again and again and again. And every single time, it's just coming back. And it just break your spirit. And that's what Collingwood do. They break your spirit. They they love, they love to break it in a really short burst, usually at the start of a game. They'll just blow a team away. And then they don't, they don't need to continue to blow a team away, especially in a final. A win's a win in a final. Um, but gee, yeah, if they can, if they concede, like it'll be either the Giants or Port who get through to play them in the prelim. Um, I can't see them conceding another 70 inside fifties again. So you'd think Collingwood get through the grand final, um, from where they are. The Giants will worry them. Giants would worry them. That have that we having PTSD about the twenty nineteen prelim. That's for sure. Um, but nah, like just one of the most impressive defensive performances I've seen this year. Really, really good, and just the way they run and move the ball. I mean, all the six remaining teams have excellent ball movement. Some of them a little bit different, but. All of them move the ball quite well when they're allowed to, but gee, the way Collingwood move it and Brisbane, I think the two of them are the most impressive in that aspect to me. Um, and just the they run so hard and they press and they put pressure on. Like the amount of running that Bobby Hill was doing, that's why he was so good early, just getting up and down the ground, affecting scores and stopping scores at the other end. Sidebottom's done it for his whole career. He was really good late in the game, I thought. And like you know, you got Crisp and Adams and all these guys in there 
just doing an awesome job, like a real great team. Like it's a team game and they are playing so well as a team and they've got an extra player out there. They've got that Collingwood crowd who, I'll tell you what, I'm glad St Kilda weren't playing the Pies in at any point in this final series because I would not want to go... As a, as a fan, as a fan, I, I I would go to a St Kilda final and be like, oh, Christ, we've got to deal with the Collingwood crowd and their chants and their this and their that. So the, the Collingwood fans should be commended for what they add to their team because it shouldn't, you know, you can't overstate the effect that it has in a game. Anyway, um... Yeah, well done, Pies and D's. You've got to go through the Blues now. And let's talk about that game next because the Blues got the job done. They got their finals victory that they've been searching for for a decade. Um, it was eerily similar to the to the previous game. Like, just blew Sydney away early and then Sydney had to fight back and fight back and they just couldn't quite get the job done. But Sydney won't, you know, Sydney, everyone's like, oh, Sydney make up the numbers. It should have been Adelaide, blah, blah, blah. And yes, it should have been Adelaide. It should have been Adelaide there. But Sydney showed that they can play. They can still play. They they didn't, you know, they did what they were supposed to do after last year. You get belted in a grand final for whatever reason. Teams that get belted in a grand final do not win a final the next year. Sometimes they don't even make it. So they did what they were supposed to do. It's impressive that from round what, 15, when they were bottom four or whatever, that they made the eight. That is incredibly impressive. Um, and they showed why. that, that, that they, they weren't terrible in this game, Sydney. They were actually quite good. They, ne- they need desperately to fix this um, contested ball clearance issue that they've got. Like, just they need to go and get a ball. They need to get George Hewitt back. They need they need someone in there who can just win a contested ball and get a clearance because they just their midfield is so talented, but their midfield's just not big enough and strong enough to crash through and and just win a ball like that. Um, speaking of their midfield, Errol Goulden, my God, comfortably top ten player in the competition now. Um, he, he was unreal. He talk about running. He runs all day. He kicks the ball like a fucking pro. He kicks goals. Um, he's unbelievable. He he's become a very good player very quickly. He's still only twenty one or twenty two, so he's got a bright future ahead of him. I thought Blakey was really good despite being punched in the face. Um, I thought McLean was really good. Something that really impressed me about Sydney was how good their marking game is. A lot of contested marks, a lot of marks in general, just really, really nice kicking. That was something that really impressed me. You know, when the game was slipping away from them early, that is something that was never an issue for them. Kick, mark, kick, contested mark, you know, handball, receive, run a bit, kick, contested mark. Like, it was was quite good. Carlton were just better, you know, through that period while Sydney were doing all of that. Um... I thought Hickey was really good. It's his last game. He's finished up. Um, 
I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I loved Hickey when he was at the Saints. I thought he was great. I thought he was a really underrated ruckman. I never understood why he was behind Billy Longer when they were both at the club. I thought Longer was a better tap ruckman, but what Hickey did around the ground was just miles ahead of what Longer was doing. Um, he didn't play his best footy at West Coast. He goes to Sydney and suddenly just becomes this superstar and becomes really important in getting them to finals again and to getting them into the grand final last year. Um, so well done on a real journeyman career, Tom Hickey. Um, another interesting thing with Sydney, what they did, they swapped Parker and Heaney around. So Parker starts in the middle. The game starts to get away from them. Was it half time or three-quarter time? Heaney had been playing at full forward. They swapped. Heaney goes into the middle. Parker just goes to full forward and, and goes to Wiedering and looked really dangerous. Like, I, I don't know if he scored. Oh, no, he did. He kicked that late goal from that silly turnover. That might have been his only one, but he was setting other things up and he looked dangerous and it was just a really good move from Longmire. Like, he didn't go, oh, let's get Heaney into the middle. We'll keep Parker in there and we'll just put some, we'll, we'll just put a Marty at full forward. No, like just something totally unexpected. We'll put Luke Parker at full forward standing next to Jacob Wiedering. Just totally left field idea. And I thought it worked quite well. And if the game had gone on for another five minutes, Sydney would have won this game. Um, but it didn't. That's not how time works. <laughs> so Carlton did, in fact, win. Um, I mentioned before that Sydney need to go and get a bigger midfielder. It's, it's what they lack. It's what they've struggled with for the last couple of years while they've been contending. Um, they need to go and get a player to help them with the contest work. They just need to. I don't know. I don't know who's available, who's out there, but they need something. They they would kill. They would murder someone to get. Patrick Cripps or someone like that or Bontempelli. Just someone someone just big and strong who can just crash through and just not just be another outside mid. And you'd like you just can't ask Errol Goulden to do everything. Errol Goulden could probably become that player despite being a little fella, but he's already doing everything else. <laughs> so you can't ask him to do that as well. Um, like they, they would love like a Jason Horn Francis, just a bigger body in there. And, you know, Parker can do that, but, you know, he's only going to be around for so much longer. Heaney, they've tried in there. It just doesn't seem to work for whole games. I think he is born to be a forward. So they got to f- figure something out. they got to figure something out. Maybe Blakey ends up in there. He's still pretty scrawny. So maybe maybe Blakey puts on 20 kilos and just... <laughs> It just goes in the midfield. Fuck, throw a Lear a Lear in there. Just do it. There's a big body for you. Anyway, Sydney out of the race now, eliminated, along with St Kilda. But as I said, a very impressive uh, latter part of the year to come from where they came from to make the eight. Carlton, well done. Well done, Carlton. The, the, the fans were relieved. Carlton won this game in a very traditional Carlton fashion in that they nearly lost it. Um, <laughs> but it was quite good. It made for a very good watch later in the game. I, I wouldn't have enjoyed if Carlton just blown Sydney away. That wouldn't have been any fun. You want to see him sweat a little bit. 
That's what finals are all about, right? <laughs> um, there is a player who I want to talk about, and I've already posted about him on Instagram. Blake Akers. What a game. Seriously, what a performance from Akers, especially the second half. So in the second half, he saved two goals on the line with the outreach fingertips, goes to review both behinds, just barely getting back to get a finger on them. Fucking seriously good effort. Like, that's amazing. And then he obviously kicks the winning goal or what ends up being the winning goal late in the last quarter. But I was watching, I was like, gee whiz. He kicks the goal, celebrates for a second, and then the camera stays on him and he he can't even smile because he's just trying desperately to get some air into his lungs. He, he can't, he, he doesn't even seem happy because all of his brain power is going into getting some oxygen back into his fucking muscles, into his brain. Like, I've never seen anyone look so gassed as he looked. And like, after that, I was like, gee whiz, yeah, he has sort of, he's been in everything in this game. And then I just couldn't take my eyes off him for the rest of the game after that. He was also playing for a lot of it with just one shoulder. So he was coming back from a collarbone, which, you know, maybe he came back a little bit early um, because for most of the last quarter, he couldn't move his arm. <laughs> he couldn't move his arm because his shoulder was fucked. Oh. But yeah, just tracking him every moment after he kicked that goal, just running his guts out, not being able to swing one arm, there was that ball that he kicked through the center, diagonally through the center of the ground that he just kicked to space. There was a Sydney player that was going to run onto it, but he chased it down. He chased it down. The Sydney player gets it, and then he's right on them. Like, just unbelievable efforts at the end of a game when you're already fucked. Like, we had seen that he was fucked. Like, just nothing left, and then he finds something else. Oh, it was so impressive. And 26 disposals to go with it as well. He didn't just ha- you know, have, have one percenters and kick a goal. Um, 26 touches and just one of the best finals performances I've seen. I don't, I'm like, I'll never get over how he played. This wasn't Patrick Cripps doing this. And, and Akers is a good player, but he's not Patrick Cripps. He's a journeyman who's like in the last few years just found his spot on the wing where he's played the best footy of his career. To play like that in a final is impressive. So well done to Blakers. Never played like that for us. That's all that's all I'll say. Um other players that were fantastic for Carlton. Walsh was excellent. I thought Chera was excellent. Um Cripps was held mostly by Mills, but it didn't matter because the others made up the difference. Um, I thought Saad was fantastic. When he gets the ball at halfback, he never just gets rid of it. He always ducks and weaves and goes for a little bit of a run and then he gets rid of it. He takes ground by foot and then he disposes of the ball and he's so hard to stop. And every time he does that, it electrifies the whole team and the whole stadium. 
and then the crowd builds up to do to do their little woo when he kicks the ball. Um, so yeah, Saad was excellent as well. The Kerno McCartan matchup was really interesting. Um, McCartan did a really good job. I think Kerno only kicked one goal, and it was in those first few moments. So really well done by Tom. Um, <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got written down here, Mackay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've already touched on that, and yes, Jesus Christ. Um, I bet he's extra bummed that he's going to miss this weekend because he would have been dying to redeem himself, but fucking hell, fucking hell. Maybe it's best that, he's, that he won't be playing because you can just tell when a player's off and he was just a little bit off a little bit off he did some good things took some good contested marks got got a um couple of goal assists but gee whiz that that set shot from straight in front 15 meters out that isn't good that's bad that's bad that's that's worse than anything Fritch or Marshall did like that was bad that was bad um this semi between Melbourne and Carlton I think it's going to be fucking amazing. I think it is going to be amazing. I have no idea who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win in the other semi either. I'm leaning towards the Giants. Um, barely, but that should be good too. But gee whiz, Melbourne, Melbourne are the better team, except they haven't got a forward line. I cannot wait to see them have to bring in Grundy. They're going to have to. Is, is Ben Brown, what's going on with Ben Brown? Is he injured? If I have a look at the app on the injury list, is it going to tell me or is it just going to be all like wrong because it's finals and shit? Like, I swear that he isn't injured and they just don't like him anymore. Where are we? Melbourne. Ben Brown on knee. TBC. When did that happen? Oh, knee soreness has been... When's this from? That's from last week. Last week, unlikely to be available. Okay, so he isn't available. All right, fair enough. Um, but he has been available other times in the season and hasn't been selected. I know that for sure. So, yeah, they got nothing. <laughs> they got nothing. They're going to have to pick Grundy. They're going to have to. Just you wait and see. <laughs> oh, I reckon they will. And it's going to be so funny because he's going to another club at the end of the year. By the way, that's mental to me. That is insane. Huge trade last year. Huge. The second best ruckman of the competition is going to go ruck alongside the best ruckman of the competition. Melbourne will be unstoppable. Oh no, Melbourne don't like it anymore. Melbourne don't like what they did. Fuck you, Melbourne, by the way, you greedy fucks. There are clubs out there who are desperate for a ruckman, desperate for a genuine number one serious ruckman. And you were like, oh no, we'll just take him away. We'll just take him away and then we'll discard him. Like, oh, you greedy little shits. Oh my, I'd be furious if I was Brody, just wasting a year of his career. Really poor form by Melbourne. But yes, that um, semi will be fantastic. I cannot wait for Friday night. Alrighty, let's talk about St Kilda and the Giants. Um, 
So we started too slow. We've done this in games this year. We just started way too slow. We didn't run as hard. We didn't run as hard as the Giants for most of the game. Um, but early, they just blew us away in the first quarter. F- five goals to three. At quarter, five goals to two, sorry. Three-goal margin. At quarter time was not good enough. And look, the boys would have been rattled um, by what they'd heard about memory. Um, especially those close to him, Ross and Webster and Max, I think as well. they got a pretty good relationship and most of the other boys as well, I'm sure. Like he's really well liked at the club. Um, I covered basically everything I want to cover around him, but just I really hope he's all right. Men's health is not taken seriously enough. I, I believe this quite firmly um there are a lot of things that are important that aren't taken seriously enough in society that's no joke um but men's health is you know just not given enough care and attention i don't think i just hope he's okay whatever he's got going on it could have nothing to do with football at all it could have nothing to do with football sometimes just people aren't doing good sometimes there's there's no particular reason at all sometimes it just happens Sometimes there are things that cause it. We have no idea what's going on with Tim. We've got no idea. It's none of anyone's business except for his friends and family. None of anyone's business. So like I said before, I will not stand for it. People rumor-mongering and saying this and that when they don't know a fucking solitary thing. There is so much desperation for gossip and it's disgusting. If we never find out, who the fuck cares? Who cares? God, I just hope he's all right. Hope he's okay. Hope his family's okay. He's got little kids. So, yeah, hope everyone's doing good. If, if him doing good means that he never plays football again, then that's the way it is. That's the better result. His health has to come first. Like, these, these players who take time away from the game and... Coaches who take time away from the game, it's so important that they feel that they can do that. Like Clarko took, you know, two-thirds of the season off because of his mental health. So fuck yeah, go for it. It got a little bit strange at the end when he sort of came back but hadn't come back and was, you know, looking to the draft and like it was a bit odd. But but just when you need to take time off, just you just do it. You just do it. There's too. There's still too much stigma around, you know, men just being tough and not looking after themselves. And yeah, it's it makes me sad. I just, oh, I hope Tim's all right. Doesn't matter that it was a final. None of that matters. None of that matters. All all the other stuff, yeah, family and all of that, and your in your health is so much more important than football. Like orders of magnitude more important than football. When it boils down to it, football is just a job. It's a job. It's the same as if you just work at the bank. Yeah. If you work at the bank and your your mental health isn't doing good, you just take time off from the bank. It's just how it goes. So Yeah, God, I just hope desperately that he's alright. The club has said and Ross has said that he's been looked after and he's in a good place and I think that's fantastic so 
you know, Ross has, Ross said that, you know, if, if the players were affected by the news around memory, that that's not an excuse. I, I agree with him, but I also think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like they, they should feel what they feel and be affected by it. You know? Yeah. It, you know, they should be able to still perform at their best, but also like it's more important than, you know, that they care about their friend is more important than a football game. It is. Like, it's way more important. So, yeah, it's that's just the, the way it goes. Yeah. I, something that I care pretty passionately about, um, if you can't tell. So, yeah, when, when the St Kilda Football Club has had things like, you know, what happened with Danny Frawley, that's connected to concussion and, and now Tim and yeah, just we got to look out out for each other. People criticize for people are passionate about football and that's fucking awesome, but people just criticize and criticize and criticize, and you are absolutely within your rights to criticize players' performances and coaching decisions and all of these things connected to the game. But when like you know there are some people in the media and I'm, I have no idea if this had anything to do with the way that, you know, Tim has been feeling or not, we have no idea. But there are people in the media who just criticise because that's what they're meant to do. Like, Kane Corns just criticises everything because that's how he gets views for SEN and for Channel 9 and all of that. That's what he's meant to do. Um, And there are people just on social media who just criticize and talk shit and that that's all their little brain can do as i said you can be critical of footballers when they don't perform well and coaches when you think they make poor decisions and you can you can really criticize anything you like that is football related but just keep it to that and keep it reasonable because you'd like the stuff around maynard just be thoughtful of him before you just attack the shit out of him. Anyway. Anyway, yes, I hope Tim is alright. I very much hope that he's alright. Um, speaking of criticising coaches, the Wilkie move was wrong. <laughs> Ross messed that one up. And he said on 360 tonight, oh, Wilkie played on green earlier in the year. And, you know, he, he, he did the job. That's wonderful. The Giants are a different team. They are a different team than the one that we faced in round 10 or whenever it was. A very, very different team. If you wanted to start off with the Wilkie-Green matchup, go for it. But after 20 minutes, you could see that it was the wrong way to go. He was pulling Wilkie up the ground, and Wilkie didn't know whether to stay with him or try and peel off and be the extra. He'd get stuck in the middle, and then suddenly Green's got all this space. And it happened again and again and again, and it was a fucking disaster, right? I would have just had Webster on Green from siren to siren. And yeah, Green might have ended up with an extra goal or two, but Webster is so underrated in his ability to shut players down. I actually think if Webster had gone to Green, we would have found Toby Green in the center bounce at halftime because Webster would have done a serious job on him. I think Wilkie needs to not have a direct opponent. He needs to be the guy peeling off and intercept marking. He only had eight touches for the day. 
eight. If he plays the way he normally plays, I don't know how many goals he stops, but it's fucking a couple at least. So, yeah, Ross just, he fumbled the bag there big time, big time. Um, So, you know, it was that and that we just, the Giants were just running way harder than us. Just getting to the ball first every single time, getting there en masse every single time, getting back to defend, running the ball out with relative ease. Um, They were just seriously switched on and they are a very good team. They're a very good team. I don't know if there's any, you know, situation that leads to us winning this game. I thought we actually played quite well with all the red time goals we kept kicking. It was quite fun being there because at the end of each quarter, we had so much hope. (laughs) We had so much hope. Um, Well, not the first quarter or the last. So just the second and third. At the end of the second and third quarters, when St Kilda had just kicked like three or four goals in a row, we are like, yes, we're back. We're coming back. Let's go. When Nasai kicked that goal at the end of the third quarter, right right before the siren went, that was there was only 70,000 people there, but, God, 65 at least were St Kilda fans. And I haven't heard St Kilda noise like that since Brendan Goddard took the mark in the 2010 grand final. And I was about as far away from that mark as I was from this goal that Nasai kicked. And it was pretty fucking awesome. Like, I know we lost the game and it was a pretty, you know, I wasn't super happy at the end of the day overall. You know, that being said, I am happy to be beaten by a better team. Um, But yeah, I wasn't thrilled at the end of it all. But having that moment where just everyone went fucking berserk and the players went berserk and we felt like we were right in the game. And then to kick the first goal of the last term and get even closer um, was awesome. Um, Didn't get the job done, obviously, but just having that moment was pretty sick. And he had a very good game as well, Nasiah. Two players for St Kilda that I just got to give A++++ grades to. Steele played his best game for the year, 38 touches, uh, I think 20-odd of them contested, just back to his best. Like, that's a captain's game, putting the team on your back and just going after it. That was amazing. From him, gives him a lot of confidence. Heading into next year, he's had injury troubles the last couple of seasons with his shoulder causing him problems and other things affecting his form. But now, God, it felt like he was back. Like 38 disposals from your from your captain playing in the guts. I just thought he was unbelievable. And Marshall played the best game of his career. There's been a few games this year that have been the best game of his career. He's continued to improve, and this was the best game of his career. 31 disposals, kicked a goal, was just a brute. He was unreal. Briggs was also fantastic as well. Briggs, I thought, was a lot better in terms of like the hitouts and that stuff, but around the ground and just in the contest, just getting his own ball, Marshall, and just crashing through players. Like he's reminding me a lot of Brody Grundy, like circa 2018, 2019. Brody Grundy, just amassing disposals for a big man, hitting the scoreboard and just having a lot of impact on games outside of the actual ruck work itself. So I thought he was unbelievable. 
other St. Kilda players I want to highlight. As I said, I, I was pretty happy with how everything went other than our run was not good enough and the Wilkie matchup was botched. Everything else I was quite happy with, honestly. thought Hill was fantastic. Two goals to go with his 20-odd disposals. He was everywhere. Fantastic. Sinclair was very good, as usual. Not his best game, but perfectly acceptable game. 25-odd disposals was quite good. I mentioned Nasio already. He has had an unbelievable season unbelievable season a lot of our young blokes have been fantastic for basically the whole year um i thought ross was really good coming back in his leadership is so important so he had to come back into the team he did a few really good things i thought battle in the second half especially was fantastic as wilkie became more and more occupied with this whole green situation and cordy was really doing a whole lot of nothing battle became the guy who was taking the intercept marks and I thought he played one of his better games for the year, honestly. A um, couple of other players I want to mention. Windhager goes to Josh Kelly in the second half, tags him out of the game and has an excellent second half himself. Talk about putting your head over the ball, like just getting in there, getting a contested possession, getting the ball out to our runners. I thought he was brilliant. He has put his hand up to be in the middle, round one next year, 100%. It should be Steel, it should be Crouch, and it should be Windhager. That's your, that's your starting on ballers. I don't know what's going to happen with Clark. I don't know what's going to happen with Gresham. I don't know if I want to see Owens in there just yet. Same with Filippo. Windhager's the guy. Steel, Crouch, Windhager in the guts with Marshall. That is the way to go. No more halfback, no more wing, no more anything. Get him on the ball. And he's your tagger when you need one. He did a fantastic job on Kelly in the second half, but Kelly had already done plenty of damage um, up to that point. Sharman as well, really, really good job. So he was playing uh, on Whitfield, uh, I believe, for the first half, and then they sort of changed a couple of things up. I thought he was unbelievable. Best game of his career as well. He and Marshall played career games. Sharman's had games where he's kicked more goals. Um, he, had, he had a four-goal game in the last round of 2021 against Fremantle. But just the way he was covering the ground, he looked our most likely um, target inside 50 to take a mark, and he did. Um yeah, I thought he was excellent. I thought Sharman was fantastic, and he will probably find himself in the forward line round one next year, unless we go and unless we, you know, change things up and you know bring in a different um, tall to medium forward to help Max out. It will be Sharman there round one next year, probably in the forward pocket right there next to him, um, or perhaps at centre half forward. Depends what's going on. With memory, but yeah, I thought he was excellent. Speaking of Max King, I've got to say I'm really pleased with the fact that he ended up with three goals for the day. I think that's quite good. Um, but gee whiz, for a lot of the game, he just didn't seem on at all. And it could have been the memory thing for sure. Um, but just some of his efforts were really poor. Some of the like the opportunities that he had at times to chase and put pressure on, he just didn't. There was a time where the ball was loose in our forward 50 and he was going after it and then he just pulled up 
like he would have got to the ball first if he went after it, but he just pulled up, let whoever the other player was get it and get tackled and the ball spilled out and off they went. Um, so that was, you know, disappointing from him because he's he's got so much talent. He is such a good player. I just feel like sometimes he forgets it. He, he plays a lot on confidence and... I don't know. I just it feels like he needs a bit of help just remembering how good he is because especially early in the game, a lot of the time, anytime the ball went to him, he had two players on him. One of them being Sam Taylor. So my confidence would be down as well. But I I, I really believe that when he's in that situation, if he just attacks the footies, that's another thing he wouldn't do. When the ball was coming in, he wouldn't move because his confidence is down, right? If he charges and demands the football, he'll most likely get a free kick. Because if this 202-centimetre giant, you know, racehorse of a guy just takes off on Sam Taylor, he's going to grab on and try and get him to slow down and give away a free kick, 100%. And if he, if he doesn't, Max will just end up with the ball anyway because he'll mark it on his chest. So that is the only thing I feel that needs to be worked on in Max's game is just his confidence and his belief in himself. Because he's he's got a 50-plus goal season to his name. He's got no problem taking contested marks. Sometimes he misses, you know, silly, easy goals like I mentioned, but who doesn't? Um, yeah, but until he can, you know, fix this issue he has with, you know, his, his confidence in-game... He won't become the superstar I reckon he can become. So fingers crossed for next year. He also needs to remain injury-free. He's had a lot of issues with injury this year, which hasn't helped. Um, and also Sam Taylor is a very, very good player. I was hoping he'd be a little bit underdone coming back from the hamstring, but he was not. He was very, very good. <laughs> he he can throw a fist all the way around uh, a forward Unlike anyone I've ever seen. There, there was a couple of times where Max was just going to be hit lace out and take the easiest mark, and then somehow Taylor just would get his arm around and punch the ball away. It is a it is an underrated skill, the old spoil, and he is very good at it. Um, something else I want to mention that was pretty disappointing in this game was the umpiring. The umpiring was horrendous. Horrendous. Um, just and and this means nothing coming from me because I'm biased, obviously. But just calls that should have gone St Kilda's way that just got left out there. Balls getting thrown by Giants players. Don't worry about it. Balls going out of bounds. Don't worry about it. We'll let the Giants play on and kick a goal. Don't worry about it. Um, fifty meter penalties that aren't there getting paid against St Kilda. Just all manner of just bullshit, really, from the umpires. So that was disappointing. But I always say that you, you know, if you say that you lost the game because of umpiring, you didn't. You were never going to win the game anyway. So you know, if you're going to win, you win no matter what. And we didn't. Um, but I'll just say because I'll probably forget to mention it for the rest of the season that the umpiring this year across the board across the entire season, across a lot of games, has been bad. They've added this extra umpire, and it hasn't made a lick of difference. In fact, I think it's worse. I think the umpiring is as bad as it's ever been. Um, 
I think they need to go back to three umpires and really have three umpires on the field who fucking understand the art of umpiring. Get rid of the bounce at every single um, center, you know, whatever, after a goal. Do it at the start of every quarter, and that is all. That is it. That's all you need to do. Just go back to three umpires who can really umpire, and oh, it's just been bad all year, and it was so frustrating to watch on Saturday because St Kilda would get a nice little run on and then there'd just be a non-call or whatever that would just kill us. And yeah, that was it was it was rough to watch. It was rough to watch. This is the first year in a long time that St Kilda have actually been on the positive side of the freeze for and against ratio like a, in a long time. It's been a long time that I've felt St Kilda get a little bit hard done by by the umpires. Um, this year's actually been quite good until a final. So, you. Umpires. Um, the Giants, I've already talked a bit about them, but my goodness me, they run well. They, they, they've got so many runners who all run so well. Their midfielders all run really well. They get Daniels and Bedford up the ground to help out around you know, the contest, which is super important. They've got Whitfield running off halfback and Ash as well. Um, they've got they got a great team, great setup. They've got a good system. They are going to seriously bother and perhaps even defeat Port Adelaide. Um, I'd be really nervous if I was Port. And they don't mind traveling at all, at all. 11 venues they've won at. This year, I didn't even, like if you said at the start of the year, the Giants are going to win at 11 different venues. I'd say there's 11 different venues <laughs> that the AFL use. Like, there's two in Melbourne. These are like the normal venues. There's two in Melbourne. There's one in South Australia. There's one in WA. There are two in Sydney, and there are two in Brisbane. That's only nine. <laughs> And the, oh, yeah, there's Tassie, all right? That's 10. Where the fuck else is there? Oh, there's one in Ballarat. Forgot about that. There's 11. Like, they've won at home. They've won in Canberra. They've won in Ballarat. They've won at, they've won at Norwood fucking Oval. They've won in Tasmania. They've won at the G and at Marvel. They, they've won in Alice Springs, for goodness sake. They have just won everywhere where they've had to go. Um which is a fantastic attribute to have when you want to be moving up the ladder. Most teams only win at home. <laughs> Most teams only win at home for a whole year and, and and then they maybe pick up a couple of games away from home. This is a good team. Good team will win most of their home games and then maybe pick up a couple of others away from home. The Giants are just winning everywhere they go. So bravo, indeed, for having such a good attitude and system around traveling. That is, um, that'll be the envy of the competition if they can continue to do that. Um, Josh Kelly, wow. Josh Kelly had a serious game. Windhager went to him in the second half and fixed him up a little bit, thank God. Um, next time, Windhager just goes to him from the, from the start because he was eviscerating us. Just kicking goals from 45 meters out, just deep in the pocket. Don't even worry about it. Um, just ripping us to shreds through the middle. He was unreal. So was Tom Green. He was excellent. He was just... he He's the type of player that Sydney desperately need. 
just a big body who gets in there and wins the ball. He was fantastic. Um, I mentioned their smalls already, Daniels and Bedford. Bedford was excellent. I said the other week after the suspension that I hope he gets off because I want St Kilda to play the best giant side possible. I retract that. I wish he hadn't played because he he was very good. He was very, very good. Talk about running capability and just just being able to be so damaging with everything that you do. He and Daniels were fantastic. And I mentioned Kieran Briggs before as well. But, oh, but when St Kilda last played them in round 10, he had not exploded yet. He has exploded now, and just out of nowhere, he has turned into this behemoth of a ruckman, just pushing people out of the way, getting hit-outs left, right, and centre, grabbing the ball out of the ruck and just charging off with it. Just has out of... No- like, how many games would he have played? Has he even played 20 games for his career? Like, he would have only played a handful of games... Leading into this season, I reckon. Let me just quickly look him up. Players. Kieran. Is Kieran AI or IA? It's IA. Kieran Briggs. Craig. He's played 24 games. 24 games for his career. And he's now a top five ruckman in the competition. So... Um, that's a pretty good discovery. But, like, he's been on the Giants list for years, but he's been behind Mumford. I don't even know if he and Mumford even crossed over, but he's been behind Bruce, and he's been behind Flynn, and, you know, Bruce has been injured all the time or suspended, and then Flynn was injured, and then they unleashed Briggs, and he's just been destroying everything. I wonder if the Giants even have... Do they have any other Ruckman on their list that I've forgotten? I can't even think. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so they've just got Briggs, Flynn, some kid named Nicholas Madden, who's 204 centimetres, never played a game, and then Bruce, who, as I said... Is God, Braden Bruce has only played 28 games for his career. How the fuck? He's been around forever. He's only played 28 games. This is his third club. He's only played the 28 games. My God. How many games has Matt Flynn played? 33. He's played more games than both of them. Anyway, that's a bit of a detour. Kieran Briggs was very, very good. Um, <laughs> um, it was fun to go to a final again. Been a long time since I've been to a St Kilda final. I went to the um, Melbourne Geelong qualifying was that an elimination final elimination final in 2018 when melbourne got through the prelim i can't remember was that a qualifier i can't remember i can't bloody remember either way that was the last final i went to um and before that it was the the replay (laughs) the replay anyway been a long time since i've been to a final that had st kilda in it so that was a lot of fun to attend st kilda will be bigger and better next year I'll be doing my St. Kilda season review on Thursday. It's a very big week for the pod. Indeed, last game, Lions and Port Adelaide. Brisbane look fucking amazing at the Gabba. They look amazing. Just the way they move the ball gives me a big old erection because it's so sexy. 
they kick and then they handball receive and they run in waves and they kick again and they just hit every single target and I just drool over thinking about St Kilda being able to do that, hitting every single target. My God. And Port Adelaide moved the ball. All these teams move the ball very, very well. Port Adelaide like to kick and mark, and they're very, very good at it. But gee whiz, just Brisbane can just rip you in half if they want to, and they did. Oh, they did. And they are so... Another thing that is fantastic about Brisbane, I'm in love with Brisbane at the moment. They're my team now. They're my team until the end of September. They're so evenly spread. They're so evenly spread. They won this game by 50 points. The most disposals any Brisbane player had was 26, McCluggage. And and most, and I think the next most was 21. Like, that's insane. They only had like nine more disposals than Port Adelaide total. They are spread so evenly. Just like 80% of their team just having disposal numbers in the teens. They're so efficient with their ball movement. They don't fumble, so they don't have to like pass it around 10 times to try and get out of there. They just kick and mark and run and handball receive and move the fuck on. They don't mess around and they don't make mistakes. My God, they are a good team. If they don't make... I don't care who the hell wins out of Melbourne and Carlton. No one's beating Brisbane at the Gabba. Nobody. If Brisbane lose the prelim, it'll be the biggest fucking you blew it since St Kilda in 2009, right? Brisbane have been so dominant at home, they need to make the grand final. And honestly, just off the eye test, like watching Collingwood play and watching Brisbane play, who I think are going to be the two teams in it on the last Saturday in September, Brisbane will win the grand final because the football that they are playing is so superior to everybody else at the moment, as far as I can tell. It's not even funny. They're playing so well that they were unbelievable in this game. And Port challenged them a couple of times and they just went, all right, we'll kick eight goals in the third quarter of a final, of a final. You're not meant to kick 19 goals in a final. That isn't supposed to happen. But because Port Adelaide don't know how to defend, that's what Brisbane were able to do. Um, Cam Rayner was unbelievable. Unbelievable. My fellow Star Wars lover um, played an awesome game. Just really starting to live up to the number one pick hype that was around him. He was fantastic. Danaher with five goals in a final is no joke. That is a serious haul. Um, he played really, really well. Um, and Cameron, Cameron didn't have a huge game, but he gave him a spark right when they needed it. Two goals back-to-back in the third quarter. The crowd hadn't even finished singing Country Road, and he'd kicked another goal. I'll tell you what, if I was an opposition coach, the hardest thing I think to live with would be trying to stop Charlie Cameron kicking goals because Country Roads Take Me Home is one of the greatest songs ever written. John Denver just nailed that one. It's a masterpiece. I would happily have Charlie kick 15 goals in a game just so I could hear that song play over and over again because it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And that was just hilarious. When he kicked a goal and then 30 seconds later he had another goal and the crowd wasn't done singing. (laughs) They just, even when the song stops playing over the speakers, they continue. They finish that second chorus like their life depends on it. And I love it. I'm here for it. Uh, Jasper Fletcher. 
young player, first final, dominated. Dominated. Just playing on the wing, I think, because he was fucking everywhere. He's running forward, kicking a bunch of goals. He's running back to defend. Um, Just unbelievable effort from a youngster. Like, seriously mature performance. And how much does he look like his dad as well, by the way? I was just... Just watching him play, I was like, gee whiz, he looks like his old man. And he should, he's his old man. But just sometimes you look at someone's son and you go, gee whiz, spitting image, really spitting image. Um, And just how he's stepped up since Ashcroft did his ACL just should be commended. Um, Port Adelaide, they ne- I said how they can't defend. It's a problem. It is a problem. That's why I'm not convinced at all that they're going to be able to beat the Giants. They might beat them, but oh, gee, I won't be surprised at all if the Giants win because oh, they just they haven't got a good defensive system. It, they're clearly looking for more players, right, in the offseason. They're, they're going after Radicalia. They're going to get him this time. Who knows what else they're going to try and do. I don't think this is the answer. I think their defensive system is weak. I think that's the problem. I think they've got personnel in there who can put together a good back line. Um, but they just haven't got a good idea of how to defend as a back six or as a team. This is something about the way that they're playing, and I'm not a fucking coach, I'm not an expert, I've got no idea how they would fix that, but I think they've got good players down there, they've got a good mix of talls and smalls, and they just they just can't figure it out. Like, conceding 19 goals in a final is bad. That is bad. Finals are usually... Very contested, relatively low scoring, and this game was not. Very open, very free-flowing, very good to watch, um, and very high scoring indeed. But, as I said before, Port Adelaide's strength, they can kick a ball. They can seriously kick a ball. Um, If they can slice and dice um, the Giants by foot... On Saturday, um, they will go a long way to winning because they, they, they can move the ball really effectively by that, but they're just a little bit too reliant on Butters and um, Rosie in the middle doing everything. They're just a little bit weak at either end of the ground, so yeah, it's, it's a worry. they got Willem Drew as well, who, who will help enormously. You think he goes to Kelly. Um, he tagged Lockie Neal right out of this game really effectively. Tell you what. I said the goal kicking is underrated. Having a tagger who can seriously tag on your list is underrated as well. It it helps so much to have one. It helps so much to have one. Another interesting move that Hinkley went with was Lord going to Harris Andrews. Now, Ollie Lord kicked four goals and was very, very good. Um, and look, Andrews was okay, but the, you know the the Brisbane backline didn't have the day they probably wanted to. Like, they've still conceded 11 goals, which is, you know, it's not bad at all, but they would have wanted to concede less, I reckon. So, you know, does Lord go to Sam Taylor this weekend and try and do the same type of role? I don't know. That'll be interesting to watch as well. Um, Port Adelaide were also on the on the end of some pretty bad luck. So, um, Darcy Byrne Jones kicks a really good goal in the third quarter, and then he's immediately subbed off, which is rough. Um, but then just a little bit of karma for subbing off a player who's just kicked a really good goal is that as soon as they filed the paperwork to sub Byrne Jones off, um, who was it? Williams <laughs> does his 
hamstring. <laughs> just in, in the same breath, Williams does his hamstring. So that's just fucking dog shit luck. And then a couple of moments later, um, Trent, Trent McKenzie rolls over on his ankle. He does eventually retake the field, but he was injured for a moment as well. So it is something that can make or break your day. Like imagine a really close final. Imagine this game was really close. Imagine it's only a goal of difference at the, at the moment that Port Adelaide make their sub and then all that other shit happens. You go, fuck, just the worst luck ever and unavoidable. But, you know, it, it's, it has to be an art. There has to be an art to when you make the sub. And it depends on where you're at in the game, whether you had anything planned pre-game, barring any injuries around resting and whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, dilemma that clubs may find themselves in. Anyway, that is the lot. That is everything. That is all four games done and dusted for me. This is a very long one, given I'm only talking about four games. But there was a lot of other stuff to discuss as well, as you guys know. Um, let me know what you thought of the footy. I thought it was a really great first round. First round, first week of the finals. Only five games to go for the year. Luckily, we've got the girls' footy on now as well. So I'll be uh, doing my AFLW round two review uh, tomorrow. So obviously, be doing Saints and Essendon, and I'm going to do Hawthorne and Bulldogs as well, doing those two games. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, St Kilda season review coming Thursday because I'll be doing Ahsoka on Wednesday. If you're a Star Wars person that isn't on my uh, Star Wars podcast, get on that because episode five of Ahsoka, I think is going to melt all of our brains. Alrighty, thanks heaps for listening, guys. I know I got a little bit sappy and frustrated there, but I think it's important. I think people are not being considerate of others at all with a lot of this stuff and people are letting this become, you know, too much of an emotional thing. When you're talking about suspending a player for this kind of thing, you really got to look at it. You got to watch it at full speed and tell and ask yourself what should have happened instead. And is that possible? That's what we got to think about. Anyway, thank, as I said, thank you very much for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave a comment, leave a review, and I will catch you next time. Bye.